Blog Talk Radio. Sick as a 
And first and foremost, what we want to do is find a little bit something about more about our particular speaker today. Now, Brother Walimu, you have been an organizer in the African Revolution for 48 years, fighting for Pan-Africanism. How and why? I would uh, first like to express uh, appreciation of the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, to African Awareness for allowing us to um, be a part of this program. Um, We are waging an ideological offensive and organizational offensive against capitalism and imperialism, against Zionism and neocolonialism and the oppression and exploitation of women. Uh, and, and so we're very grateful to have this opportunity to spend this time uh, on your program and, uh, and with your listening audience. Um, I was fortunate, uh, I guess, that the, when I was born, um, because at that time the masses of, of our people were in the streets back in the 50s and the 60s. And uh, capitalism has not had not developed the understanding that you couldn't put the brutality of, of this system on, on televisions for the oppressed and exploited African masses to see. And uh, I was one of those uh, young people who uh, were able to observe the civil rights movement uh, in the South and the brutality and the beatings, et cetera, and, and, and the struggle. To, uh, to fight the apartheid system that was practiced here in the United States. Also, you know, I was able to, to witness and as I grew to have some relationship to the black power movement that was uh, developed uh, in the urban areas amongst the, the, the mass of our people. Um, I, even though that the call for black power um, was made uh, in the South, uh, 1966. But uh, the the question of black power was was one that was grasped by the youth, uh, particularly the urban youth of our people. I was one of those youth. And so I was influenced by the Panther Party, influenced by Malcolm, uh, to the extent that, I guess, as a high school student, my first uh, organizational affiliation was with a student organization called Young Gifted in Black. And uh, that would be the first uh, organization that I, I belong to and, and, and one of, I can't say many, because uh, that organization I, I joined in uh, 1969 and I joined the All African People's Revolutionary Party in 1974. Um, and one of the, I guess, the primary reason I would say that uh, I've had this longevity is that I actually believe uh, and do but still believe what I was taught uh, in 1974 uh, as a student at the Ohio State University. I had the opportunity to meet, uh, to help organize programs with Kwame at that time, Stokely Carmichael. And... Uh, 
the time we spent together, uh, not just myself, but the youth that were around him, uh, he, he explained truth. And uh, I have never, uh, well, I've learned in life, you know, you do not, you cannot turn your back on the truth. So from 1974, uh, Pan-Africanism is the correct objective to be free. In 2022, it is still the correct objective for uh, African people to be free. But the 1974 revolution was the method. It was the path that must be followed to realize Pan-Africanism and the liberation of African people uh, worldwide. Um, in, in 2022, is still the truth. And, and so I believe as a youth uh, that this was the correct uh, analysis of history. Uh, I believed as a youth that I had an obligation to suffer, serve, and sacrifice for the mass of our people. Uh, 1974, I had an understanding that the victory of our people over capitalism and imperialism for Pan-Africanism uh, is inevitable. I believe that in 1974, and I'm convinced in 2022 that it is correct today. And so what I've learned from my uh, comrades and our party, uh, what I've learned from the mass of our people is that once you learn and understand the truth, as Nkrumah says, you can compromise on strategy, but you cannot compromise on principle. To compromise on principle is the same as abandoning it. And uh, the one thing I've learned in life is the only thing that we, we will leave on this earth, when we leave this earth, when we transition to our revolutionary ancestors, is the legacy of what we did while we were here. And uh, I want to leave a legacy that, uh, says that I did not abandon the revolution. Uh, I like to leave a legacy that says I did not abandon the struggles of the masses of my people. And it's not, not when I say that, it's not just for myself, but because it is the nature of what revolutionaries believe and what they do. They do the best they can, and they fight as long as they can until they can fight no more. And so that has been my motivation uh, over the last 48 years. I'm an Nkrumah's Tereus. And uh, I'm a Pan-Africanist, uh, and I am with the other brothers and sisters who, who also have committed their lives to the struggle to liberate Africa and, and, and place it under scientific socialism and to destroy neocolonialism in Africa. We, we are committed to that, and, and that is my motivation for remaining and have been remaining inside of the African Revolution. Brother Wallamu, you sort of just spoke to what I'm about to ask you, but I can ask you anyway, because I want to be real clear in terms of our listening audience, clear the youth on who you are and the decisions that you have made in your life to become who you are. You know, you have chosen a path of revolutionary struggle for national liberation, unification, socialism, pan-Africanism, peace, etc., and not the path of the African political elite that desire to have wealth and fame. Explain how you have been able to avoid this desire to be rich and famous. 
again, I, I attribute who I am as an individual uh, to the struggles and, 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 uh, of the mass of our people. Uh, I, like any other youth, uh, everyday person, uh, as a youth, and, and so, of course, uh, capitalist ideology had me understanding or believing that to not be poor if you went to college, uh, you would live a better life, and you didn't have to work as hard to have a better life. And so my aspirations leaving high school was to be an accountant, a certified public accountant, uh, that would have allowed me to to live a comfortable life. Um, so I'm no different than any other African man or, or woman who who bought into that 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 idea, that that concept that is that is taught by this system, and that's why the the intelligentsia has a a tendency of abandoning the struggle, the struggles of our people. Uh, but nonetheless, um, again, those were my aspirations uh, and, that, and my motivation for going to college. I was fortunate again that when I got to the Ohio State University there was revolutionary organization on that campus. And I was introduced to this, this thing called ideology. And uh, being introduced to ideology, it, 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 it helped me look at my, my personal values and my motivations and were they consistent with the struggles of our people, with our people. And I found that they were not. Um, there's nothing wrong to want to have nice things. There's nothing wrong with having nice things. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But it is something wrong when we have nice things and not willing to sacrifice so everyone can have nice things. And that's what I think I learned uh, when I was introduced to the ideology of improvism that every human being in society, every human being on this earth has a right to live a life of indignity and have the material things, the food, the clothing, the water, the shelter, that have, everyone has a right to those things because everyone works. And so I came to believe, you know, again, I, 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 I like nice things, but I don't have nice things because the mass of my people don't have them either. And so that is why I would say I changed direction because I did seek wealth and fame, so to speak. But again, being introduced to revolutionary ideology changed my mind and change the way that I look at life. And so now, from the position of Nkrumahs and Treism, I know that my role in life is to serve the masses of the people. That's my role. That's my responsibility. Whether I have nice things or don't have nice things is irrelevant. That is my role in life. And that is an idea that we want um, the mass of our people to grasp. Because if we do not have the people, if we don't organize our people, if our people are not on that same page, then liberation is not a possibility. 
for the mass of our people. And so that is how I, I came to the realization that wealth and fame is, is not a revolutionary idea. We seek humility. Kwame Ture taught me or taught us or taught others that if you are revolutionary, when the rewards are passed out, you get at, at the end of the line. And that is about attitude, because we do not serve to acquire. We serve to serve. And that's, that's, that's my to answer to your question. Now, let us go home to Africa. As the sibling who is not conscious will say to someone like you in Waterloo, what Africa has done for you and what you can do for Africa. Why Africa? Well, Africa is who is, is the motherland. That's where we all come from. But it's particularly when we talk about Western Hemisphere. Um, and we can rehash the, the, the discussion about the enslavement, uh, the, the kidnapping enslavement of our people uh, to the Western Hemisphere. Uh, we were stolen from the continent of Africa as Africans, and we were transplanted to the Western Hemisphere in Europe, etc. And we're still Africans. That does not change. As Malcolm used to point out, that you know, uh, a cat that has kittens in the oven, you don't call them biscuits. Uh, and this, this, this is true uh, metaphor for African people. We're all over the world, but we're one people. Um, what has Africa done for me or us as a people? Is again, you have to look at the history of struggle. That even after being uh, enslaved, uh, Africa and Africa colonized, that the progresses that are made of Africans in the diaspora cannot be separated from the progresses that are being made in Africa. And so if you look at, for example, uh, the civil rights and black power movements, if you look at it and not connect it to Africa, then you focus on the Western Hemisphere. But the anti-colonial struggle uh, of African people had aggression uh, some 16 years after the Berlin Conference because here you had the first Pan-African con- Conference of 1900 of Africans in different parts of the world beginning to have discussions about uh, the importance of the liberation uh, of African people the African continent. And so when you look at the, the, the imperialist wars, one and two, which we fought in, but out of those came a, a militant cry. And so in, in, at the same time, you had the, the uh, Marcus Garvey uh, movement with the University of Negro Improvement Association, African Communities League. You had the Pan-African Congresses that were being organized 
uh, uh, by W.B. Du Bois, which would lead to the Fifth Pan-African uh, Congress, which was uh, convened and led by Kwame Nkrumah and George Padmore, etc. But these become important because they laid the ideological and organizational framework for the struggle of African people, uh, not only in Africa, but abroad. Case in point, if you look at Nkrumah's positive action, which was used as a way to defeat British imperialism inside of Britain, what did he use? Nonviolent mass demonstration in action. No armed struggle, nonviolent mass demonstrations. March 6, 1957, who is in Ghana? Martin Luther King. And so the nonviolent mass civil rights movement, so to speak, was a replica of the use of positive action in another part of the world. Called something different, but it was the same thing. It put the masses in the streets where armed struggle was not a viable option at that time. And Kuma did it, and so was it done here in the United States. So the progress that we see amongst ourselves outside of Africa, and you see some progress. Um, we're not enslaved, chattel-wise. Uh, you know, the just overall living conditions, our conditions have improved. And it has improved because the struggles for Africa to be independent from colonialism and imperialism is directly related to the struggles in the Caribbean, struggles of Africa in the United States, et cetera, and around the world. You can't separate the two. So Africa has helped me understand, A, that I'm African, and that when we talk about the liberation of African people, it cannot be separated from the liberation, the unification, under a socialist government. Africa has taught me or helped me understand, and that's just, again, I use the word individual, but I think it's for many of us, that there can be no liberation of African people without the destruction of capitalism and imperialism. There can be no uh, liberation of African people without the destruction of neocolonialism where Secretary says the anti-people of Africa sit in power, that there can be no um, liberation of African people without scientific socialism throughout the continent of Africa. And so that is what Africa has done for me. It has brought a level of consciousness that allows me to understand and communicate and share with my brothers and sisters and those around the world that we must organize ourselves in revolutionary organization, mass organization, a pan-Africanist political party where all Africans can organize, can operate under that direction for a death blow against capitalism and imperialism and the liberation of our people in Africa and worldwide. So that is what Africa has done to me, done for me. And that is why uh, again, just to reiterate, is that my dedication and commitment is to liberation of the African continent under pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. 
you know, in Waterloo, the history of African Liberation Day as an institution has been around for over 64 years. Now, in certain points of time in its history and struggle, there are watershed events that have had impact on the people and on Africa. Now, in terms of your organization, the All African People Sovereign by the GC, I would like for you to explain some of the history and dynamic of African Liberation Day 1976 in Washington, D.C. Now, we know that the root um, of all of this concerns around the institution of African Liberation Day comes out of African Freedom Day in 1958 in Ghana under the leadership of Kwame Nkrumah and the CPP. What was the driving force for Nkrumah, Ethiopia, Ghana, Liberia, Libya, Morocco, the Sudan, Tunisia, and the United Arab Republic, known as Egypt. They were created, they helped create this great institution. What was the driving force then, and what is the driving force now that lies behind African Liberation Day? Well, the first African Liberation Day, as we understand it and as we share it, is again, it's by April 15, 1958. And the context of, of that event was the first meeting of independent African states in which the countries that you identified were participants. And to our understanding, the, the, the purpose, as it was outlined from its origin, was to um, mark the onward progress of the struggle for Africa, both in terms of the struggle for independence and the struggle for unification. So it was a marker uh, which suggests that between 58 and 59, or between 59 and 60, there was work being done. There was struggle being engaged towards moving the African continent towards greater genuine independence and uh, moving towards pan-Africanism. And that's what ALD, uh, Africa Freedom Day, was founded uh, for that purpose. Um, and from that, that, that period, because we get into African Liberation Day, which will come uh, some five years later, but one of the things that, uh, that is not talked, uh, talked about a lot as it relates to African Liberation Day is this whole question of the Union of African States that was created between Modibo uh, Keita representing the country of Mali, uh, Ghana representing uh, uh, I mean, Kwame Nkrumah representing Ghana and Ahmed Saber Jure representing Guinea. And they signed an uh, agreement, the, which was the basis by which would have been the Union of African States. Uh, Patrice Lumumba also was a signator of 
uh, of this particular process, but was assassinated by uh, U.S. imperialism through the CIA in South Africa and Belgium. So, he, so what you find is that the Pan-Africanist forces on the continent of Africa were attempting as early as the 1960s, 1961, to lay the framework for a union of African states towards a United States of Africa. Neocolonialism is, is a contradiction in Africa where most of the African continent was under the control of the former colonial countries. Out of all of the French-speaking countries, only Guinea voted for independence. And so you find throughout the African continent uh, that the quote-unquote independent countries were still under the economic and political control of the former colonial countries. And this became important because in uh, May of 1963, when the Organization of African Unity was founded, that organization was a compromise to neocolonialism because the other country within Africa, the heads of state, had no desire, had no political will to be a part of a union of African states where they were not able to reap the benefits of the relationships that they would maintain with the former colonial uh, countries. But one of the things that did happen early in the 1960s or around the uh, May of 63 was the armed struggles in Africa, in Algeria, and Guinea-Bissau, and Zania, South Africa, and Mozambique, and Angola, raised the issue of liberation that forced even the neocolonial countries to acknowledge the need for material support, ideological support of those uh, African states that were fighting against settler colonialism. But again, so ALD. African Freedom Day was renamed African Liberation Day, but the essence of what it was for did not change, which was to mark the onward progress of the struggle to liberate Africa and to unite Africa. Let me just say that that is the the, the nature of how uh, ALD came into being. But at the same time, the African Liberation Day has been, or attempts have been made to co-opt it because even the enemy organized African Liberation Day. The U.S. government organized African Liberation Day. Even to this day, AFRICOM, which is a military uh, outpost of U.S. imperialism, organizes African Liberation Day. So African Liberation Day was in contestation in terms of its role inside of the African revolutionary struggle, inside the African movement in general. Uh, And there's so you had the contention between the revolutionary forces, the Pan-Africanist forces, and others. And this struggle would manifest itself uh, going into the Western Hemisphere. Even Malcolm did ALD, um, you know, early on in, in the United States. And, and so uh, in Guyana, Walter Rodney organized a, uh, an African Liberation Day, uh, which would also be connected to uh, the seven, seven, 1972 African Liberation Day leading up to 1976. But one of the, the differences um, 
I would say, on the left as it relates to African Liberation Day was that there was a struggle to take African Liberation Day away from its focus, which was the total liberation and unification of Africa uh, under socialism, as it was laid out by Nkrumah. And to focus on issues that were not associated with the struggle for Pan-Africanism or the struggle to, to liberate and, and unite Africa. Um, and again, if you go back to the, the early ALDs in the United States in 72, et cetera, uh, early on you had bourgeois uh, Democratic Party um, members who participated in the ALD activities, et cetera. This is ALD finding its place. We went through this process. And 72 on through 74, which was organized by the African Liberation Support Committee. Um, and again, I've reviewed some of, you know, some of those uh, speeches and the program and whatnot, and we have to say they did some, some, some quality work in terms of helping move the struggle to heighten the consciousness of our people around the question of Africa forward. But again, the, the issue is we can always talk about the nature of the problem. And so there were great uh, analyses of class and capitalism and imperialism and Zionism and, you know, the protests and all those things were there, which are great. But again, we, when we get to the question of African Liberation Day, as it relates to the solution, the difference between 74 and 1976, when the All-African People's Revolutionary Party made the decision that, they, that it would uh, organize African Liberation Day after it was abandoned uh, by those who were organizing it prior to 1976, um, that it was going to take African Liberation Day back to its origin, which was back to Pan-Africanism, take African Liberation Day back to Africa. And that was a very important uh, change in the struggle to qualify the purpose and role of African Liberation Day. And so for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, African Liberation Day was a day of mass political education and organization. The question of ALD was about building revolutionary organization for the purpose of destroying capitalism and imperialism with the methodology of being able to have mass political, mass political education and organization. And the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, who is an, an inheritor. We do not suggest that we are the only inheritors of the teachings and writings and practices of Kwame Ture, uh, Ahmed Sekotre, and, and Osagifo Kwame Nkrumah. But we have continued uh, since 2006 with the African Liberation Day and Palestine Day because one of the contributions that Kwame Ture uh, made to the African Revolution, and I can't say he's a, as an individual, but with the uh, Student Nonviolent Co non Coordinating Committee and the whole question of the 1967 war in Palestine and the occupation 
and settler colonization of Palestine, that became an important uh, platform of the All-African People's Revolutionary Party and the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, that we are anti-Zionists and that we have uncompromising solidarity and support of the Palestinian people and the revolutionary struggle to liberate Palestine from Zionism. Because we know that not only are we in solidarity on the question of Zionism in Palestine, but Zionism also attempted to make new colonization in Africa also. So those struggles cannot be separated. And any struggle against capitalism and imperialism, whether it be in Ireland or Papua New Guinea, where we are in support. So, so that's where the 1976 African, Liber- African Liberation Day uh, expressed itself in the Africa Freedom Day of 1958 which was to mark the onward progress of the revolutionary struggle to liberate and unite Africa. And that was our responsibility as AAPRP and is our responsibility as AAPRP GC is to never compromise African Liberation Day on the question of African liberation, unification, and scientific socialism, one unified socialist Africa. You know, in Wadamu, when you talk about African Liberation Day up to before 1976, I believe it first came to the States in terms of D.C. in 72 under the African Liberation Day Support Committee. There was a struggle within that committee around the issue of ideas and philosophy. And one of the issues that came out in 76 was that there were just certain philosophies and ideologies were not conducive to the unification of Africa. Can you talk about that political struggle around those ideals and why the AAPRP and later on AAPRP-GC continue to um, take over the political direction and control of African Liberation Day as an institution? Again, I think that in, pro- in revolutionary struggle, no one has all of the answers. And the answers of any science are discovered. Um, and so even when I joined the, the All-African People Revolutionary Party, I was introduced to Mao. I was introduced to Kim Il-sung of Korea. I was introduced to uh, Marx. I was introduced to Lenin. I was introduced to Trotsky. I was introduced all these ideologues who were revolutionary in their own right, not as a negative, but introduced. And so um, inside of our movement, there were those who advocated Maoism. Uh, there were those who advocated that we, were, we should be Marxist-Leninists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, there were fights inside of the movement per se. And, and these all have expressions because the Maoist forces uh, inside the movement had a tendency of uh, supporting like UNITA, FNLA inside of Angola. These reactionaries, these are CIA. You know, uh, you had your so-called Marcellinist forces who really didn't, could not grasp or understand the national question as related to African, African people, because Lenin, even though he had a position on the, on, 
national minorities and the national question, he could not address, he did not speak to the question of Africans being dispersed around the world. That is not the nature of, of, of a European ideology, so to speak, uh, as applied to Africa. And so there was contestation over these questions. And so inside, uh, you also had Nkumas and Tereism, for example, as reflected in, in uh, with Kwame Ture, Sophie Carmichael at that time, and others who were AAPRP inside of ALSC. So there was struggle there on the question of ideology. And one of the, the contributions that uh, Ahmed Sekou Ture made to revolutionary struggle is that he pointed out that ideology is a expression of culture and that your ideology must come out of your culture. And so for that to, 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 to reflect itself in the struggle of African people as it relates to ALSC and African Liberation Day is that we had to go back first and foremost and see ourselves as African people. And then we had to study uh, Africa and its history from the perspective of, of the science of dialectical and historical materialism. And that became important because in the early days, there were a lot of bourgeois nationalism where you was uh, not understanding that even within the context of Africa's history, that the motor force of Africa's history is the class struggle. And that inside of Africa, even before contact with Europe, there were classes. There was an elite. There were those who uh, were the beneficiaries of the labors of others. That's, that's just a reality. And so until we could make that type of analysis and understanding, we couldn't put um, we couldn't put a ALD within you know within the proper uh, context of the you know the African revolution, the African struggle. Uh, and so those struggles did take place. And I think one of the things that have happened is that again those. Maoist forces, quote-unquote, Marxist forces, Trotsky forces who were within the uh, African movement, right, they have even abandoned their own ideological principles. And one of the things I think that have happened is that the forces that now on the left or the Pan-African forces, uh, APRP, GC, APRP, and their others, um, are, again, organizing African Liberation, African Liberation Day based upon an ideology that comes out of the uh, history of our people, which is in, for us, which is in Kumism, uh, Tereism. And that is what uh, I think that is the victory of the struggle, the ideological struggle within the uh, African revolutionary movement around the question of ALD is that uh, Africa is primary, and, and African ideology for us in Kumaturism must be the guiding uh, ideological force for our people around the question of uh, African liberation day. You know, well, let's, let us dig just a little bit deeper on this liberation day, Thomas and Nakmak day. What principles and values guide the organization of this institution that will serve our people when it comes to Africa and its people being liberated, unified, and socialist? I speak of socialism as an economic system that addresses the needs and aspirations of our people. 
We're principles well, of God, this institution we call after liberation day in essence. Again, what's important is that uh, our people have to be guided by ideology or common values and principles that they agree on. Because it is out of ideology or out of the acceptance of common uh, principles and values that behavior is consistent. And so um, in Kumism, Terraism, we'll weld all of us together with a common belief, a common faith, a common understanding. And give us common and common organizational expression. So that's the role of ideology. Um, I think it's important that our people understand that we cannot reform capitalism. That there's no way to modify in a way that will allow. African people and other people to be free by its very essence capitalism is a system of exploitation and so the only way that we can resolve or end our exploitation and our oppression is by changing the system of capitalism we only know socialism as a system that has as an objective the elimination of exploitation of one human being over another now, this goal of the elimination of oppression and exploitation is not just for African people. It is a worldwide international need that there be no exploitation and or oppression of one human being over another in any part of the world. And capitalism and imperialism is just the opposite. Capitalism and imperialism seeks to exploit every human being in the world, every human being, whether they be in Asia, Africa, Western Hemisphere, uh, South Pacific Islands, any contact that capitalism makes with, with, with another society, another group of people, it will exploit. And that's what we have seen. So... Capitalism came to the Western Hemisphere, the, the Americas and the Caribbean. What did it do? It committed genocide against the indigenous people to steal them of their land, steal from them their land. Why? Because now we had a, a means of production. We had a way to create wealth for the system of capitalism. Millions of people had to die for the American capitalist system to be built. So when we talk about Zionism, again, as an example, Zionism is no different from what happened to the indigenous peoples uh, in the uh, Western Hemisphere. Zionism uses Judaism as a cover for its colonization of Palestine. Uh, it's the same way that imperialism and capitalism use Christianity as a way to cover up its desire for colonization and exploitation of people worldwide. And that's how the role of the church, the Catholic church in particular, was a part of the process of colonization and a part of the process of the, uh, the kidnapping, the trafficking, and enslavement of African people worldwide. 
it is what it is. That is the history documents that. Um, and so we are in solidarity. The APRPGC is in solidarity with all movements and all struggles that are fighting against capitalism, that are fighting against imperialism. Uh, we are, again, 100% uh, in solidarity with the truth that Palestine is the land of the Palestinian people and that it is Zionism, which is another form of imperialism, is another expression of settler colonialism, the sister states to the apartheid South African regime, sister states to the Portuguese regimes in Mozambique and Angola, Guinea-Bissau, sister, sister states to the um, to the uh, to our people in Namibia, Southwest Africa, and uh, Namibia, you know, colonized by the Germans, and so we know Zionism as a, a system of uh, oppression, exploitation, and imperialism, and and therefore, as a matter of principle, not only with uh, with the Zionists, because we we are in principle, we're also in solidarity with the people of Ireland. The first colony of British imperialism was Ireland, and so. Anywhere there is oppression, exploitation by imperialism of one people over another, well, Europe over uh, uh, other areas of the world, we stand in solidarity uh, with them. And again, uh, this we want to extend our solidarity support uh, to all revolutionary forces, progressive forces that are fighting against capitalism and imperialism, and want to join you and intensifying our struggle ideologically and politically against capitalism and imperialism worldwide. You know, bring everything up to date, looking at the current world condition. Where would the war between Russia, NATO, AFRICAN, and Ukraine fit? on the platform of an African Liberation Day, Palestine Day today, according to the understanding of the AAPRPGC? Well, again, uh, we, we have to look at history when we talk about Ukraine or some of these current events because imperialism is confusing. You know, uh, we say uh, confusion is the enemy of revolution. Uh, capitalism says confusion is the Confusion is the ally of capitalism and imperialism. And so in the question of Ukraine, they are spreading so much propaganda. Uh, they just straight line to the people to the extent that you have people who, uh, well, we have Africans being shot, killed in the streets of the of, of, uh, United States, being murdered. No comment. But then when they see their brothering and sistering uh, at war in uh, Europe, then all of a sudden they, they have uh, cause for solidarity. But you can't talk about Ukraine or you can't talk about the contradictions there without first talking about the defeat of imperialism and the czar by the Bolshevik Party uh, and, and the creation of the Union, uh, the uh, Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Because if you don't have an understanding of that history, then, then you think that this is not class war or not a war against imperialism, uh, which it is. Uh, the All-African People's Revolutionary Party uh, is opposed to NATO, 
because why NATO is in Africa. NATO is in French-speaking Africa. NATO is all over Africa, right, because the role of NATO is to protect the interests of imperialism. That is its role. And we are anti-NATO. Uh, AFRICOM is in Africa uh, to protect the interests of U.S. imperialism in particular. And uh, we are anti-AFRICOM. We uh, understand that there should be no foreign military bases on the African continent. There is no need for that. If Africa unites, we have the ability uh, to uh, defend our continent and defend our countries. Um, and then when we talk about Eurocom, Eurocom's role, again, is to defend imperialism in Europe and capitalism in Europe. And so with the uh, abandonment of, uh, of socialism by the uh, Communist Party of USSR, um, the USSR was disbanded, and all of the different republics that made up the uh, Union of Soviet Socialist Republic became independent countries. And at that juncture, the issue became whether they would remain affiliated with socialist ideas and principles and, and anti-war, anti-NATO, et cetera, or would they become puppets of, of NATO uh, and imperialism? And some made that choice uh, to just become part of imperialism and capitalism, and, and that was the choice they made. Uh, but Ukraine uh, maintained um, positive relationships with, with, with Russia. Um, and to keep it real, uh, the government of Ukraine that was kind of allied to, to Russia and they had cordial relationships, uh, George Soros financed the overthrow of that, uh, of that government and brought in who, who's in there now who was a comedian or is a comedian uh, to power. And at this juncture, they are trying to bring Ukraine into the orbit of NATO and Western imperialism, uh, which would put uh, NATO on the doorsteps of Russia, because imperialism knows no, um, it, it's, it's its own interest to try to control um, whatever, whatever land it, 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 it can. And so the question of Ukraine, of course, capitalism and imperialism could give, care nothing about the people of Ukraine. Is about the money. It is about the potential of resources and wealth. And Russia is not going to allow NATO on its border in that way. That is not going to happen. And so because Russia is anti-NATO, anti-Eurocom, and anti these forces, and we are also anti-NATO, anti-Eurocom, anti-Africom, we find a basis to support the struggle against uh, the United States and, 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 and the current uh, Ukrainian government and support the people of Russia and the people of Ukraine who I know want to live in, in a country of peace and of dignity where there is no exploitation of one uh, by the other. And then there's no question with the Africans who are in school in Ukraine uh, that you can see that the leadership of Ukraine today are racist to the core. Uh, they have documented Nazis as a part of the military there. And so all these things uh, point to the fact that you have to take a position. There's no uh, sidelines in, in struggle. And, and so in that respect, uh, 
we again support the uh, the people of Ukraine and their struggle uh, to rid themselves of a racist government, of a government of exploitation, a government that is supported and allied to Zionism and, and the occupiers of it, uh, Palestine. Uh, and that is it is on that basis that uh, they find space in any African Liberation Day or any situation like that will find space uh, for African Liberation Day and Palestine Day of the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. You listen to Africa on the Move. I'm Brother Africa. We are interviewing with Brother Wadmukito, who is a Pan Africanist and a political organizer for the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. We're discussing the institution of African Liberation Day particularly uh, the event that took place in 76 and other issues that affect Africa and African people. We're going to take a rupture culture break right now. When we come back, we will continue discussion, and we will allow you, the listening audience, to give a chance, to have a chance to participate in this important discussion because what we want to do at this point in time is to begin to document and tell the truth about African Liberation Day. And this is one of our major objectives today. There are a lot of misnormal and untruths that are being presented about African Liberation Day as a institution. So there's a special program today honoring supporting the AAPRPGC as they made a call for African, African Liberation Month. We pay tribute uh, to this noteworthy call. So we're going to take a break, a pause for the calls, and when we come back, we will continue this interview and this discussion as it relates to the institution and the history of African Liberation Day. Thank you. 
and become Negro. A negative attitude towards our... You have been listening to the voice of Walter Ratney. He spoke at an African Liberation Day out in San Francisco in 1972. We now come back with our interview with Brother Inwadi Mukita, organizer for the All African Peoples, Revolutionary Party, GC. As we continue the discussion on the history of African Liberation Day, Brother Inwadi some would say that AID in 1976 in Washington, D.C., was a resolution to the battle over ideology, philosophy, and ideals. Do these trends exist today within our community? And how will we finally resolve these contradictions or battles? Was it about Marxism, Maoism, inclusionism, etc.? Are they still playing out today? in our community? Um, I think the primary uh, issue as it relates to African Liberation Day from a historical standpoint uh, is the abandonment of African Liberation Day by those who profess Marxist-Leninism or Maoism or, or any other ideology that is not grounded in the history of Africa and African people. So I don't think that the what is fundamental is the various ideological persuasions as it was in the past around the question of ALD. I think the 76 ALD is a watershed ALD as it relates to the question of ideology because one of the consistencies following 74 uh, is that ALD has been organized either by the APRP uh, and or the APRPGC since 1976. So that ALD around the question of Nkrumahism, Nkrumahism, and Panathenism uh, has not been abandoned. And that the, other than the enemy, again, AFRICOM and, and the enemy, they will do an ALD uh, to, to spread confusion as to the, 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 you know, what really is a genuine African Liberation Day. But uh, at this juncture, uh, the only ALD that I'm really familiar with, and I, I can be of air, is the African Liberation Days that come out of uh, an understanding of Nkrumahism and Tereism, and that uh, ALDs are now organized to build a revolutionary mass organization around the question of Pan-Africanism, one unified socialist Africa. So I think in struggle that the idea of alien ideologies uh, being the driving force of African African Liberation Day has been crushed. I noticed that at past African Liberation Day in Palestine events, you will find various liberation movements, organizations with comrades working and speaking together on a, on a political struggle to liberate their nation. But when these same movements and organizations came into political independence and power, its women are still treated as southern class citizens and not equal to their brothers. Now, how does this institution today 
have to address this issue of women oppression today? Well, again, uh, again, I think it's important to understand, at least from our understanding of history, that the class struggle is the motive, motive uh, force in history in Africa and the world. And so the struggle for independence uh, for African people, A, it does not even address the question of national independence because the states that exist on the African continent were created, the boundary, the borders were created by European imperialism. And so that's why Nkrumahism, Therism became so important. The thinking of Pan-Africanism was so correct to the Berlin Conference. Uh, Africa knew none of the states that it would it would have after the fact. Uh, and so they 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 do not fit into the um, the historical development of the African continent. They were imposed on the African continent. Um, so the national question. Uh, for Africa has to be around the question of seeing Africa organized continentally. Um, the class struggle also, what it does is it makes organizations make the decision as to whether they're going to uh, have what, what Nkrumah called genuine independence. Uh, and genuine independence uh, means that uh, that particular country would be socialist because that's the only way to be independent of imperialism is to be socialist, like a revolutionary Cuba or uh, or uh, Korea. Um, so you have to be socialist. There's, 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 it's just what it is. Or uh, you have what uh, Nkuma called sham independence meaning that you have all the appearances of being independent. You have a president or a prime minister, and you have parliament, and you have a government, but the p- politics and the economics, uh, uh, and even militarily speaking, the, all of those things are controlled by uh, foreigners, controlled by imperialism, controlled by Europe. Um, that, was, that was the second option. Second option for many of the intelligentsia we talked about earlier is when you want fame and wealth, you take uh, you take the second option because even though you're not genuine independent, the governments and, and the parties that are in power are paid handsomely by imperialism to allow them to come into the country and rape Africa of its uh, mineral resources, to rape Africa's uh, labor, uh, and that that becomes an, an option for those political parties. So many of the movements that, um, that that fought for independence, both settler colony movements and, and organizations, and those who who fought uh, other forms of, of colonialism, uh, they did not opt for socialism. And scientific socialism is the material basis by which African women will genuinely be emancipated. Because, again, socialism is an economic system that seeks to eradicate the exploitation of one human being over the other. And without socialism, uh, women, African women, all women, will remain uh, not only from a position of, of class, meaning their relationship to the means of production, but capitalism is 
a male-dominated society that sees women in principle as another uh, person to be exploited. Of course, uh, because she is of the opposite sex, they exploit that too. Uh, And so uh, in Africa, uh, many of the liberation movement that during the course of armed struggle and other forms of struggle uh, advocated that they were fighting for socialism. But once came to power, uh, they opted for neocolonialism. Uh, They opted to be part of the uh, African elite who uh, were able to acquire great wealth and and resource because of the positions they hold in government, et cetera. and with that, again, the, uh, our, our sisters uh, were victimized because they uh, are not allowed, at least in mass, to, to, to reap the benefits of, of, of the wealth that the, the men are able to more rarely have access to, to and to steal. And so that's where, uh, even though you have uh, countries in Africa where uh, women even participated in armed struggle and fought, uh, in many different forms, whether it be mass protests or arms show, et cetera, that uh, when, when power was seized, they were not the beneficiaries of the power that was supposed to come with their role and participation in the revolutionary struggle. Uh, the other important thing to understand about this question, though, is that women make up more than half of the African continent, quantitatively, numerically speaking. And so not only uh, do they make up a numerical uh, majority, they are being oppressed by a numerical minority, which is the men of, 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 of the African world, African continent of, of the African world. And when we talk about the rural impact that Kwame Nkrumah, Secretary Ray, Malcolm X, Hosef Ming had on the institution, how it has the, this institution impacted on the African Revolution in general and the APRPGC development. So what impact have these individuals had on the institution and how has the institution impacted them as well as the development of the APRPGC? First, when we talk about Nkrumah and Secretary, and we have to include Kwame Ture, um, you're, you're talking about Pan-Africanists. You're talking about the ideologue, so to speak, of the African Revolution, meaning that they didn't speak specifically just for the particular country that they were a representative of. They spoke spoke on behalf of the entire African world, half of which is outside of the continent of Africa. And so when it came to the question of, of African Liberation Day uh, as an institution, again, African Liberation Day purpose is to build revolutionary organizations. It is to engage in mass political education, bring awareness to the mass of our people around the question of revolution, around the question of Africa and Pan-Africanism, around the question of socialism, around the questions of emancipation of women, around the question of the importance and organization of youth and students who are, the, who are to be the catalyst and the spark of the revolution. These are the things that that uh, Kwame and, and Ahmed Sekoutere and, uh, and, and, and uh, Nkrumah, uh, I think, um, impact, how they impacted uh, the African Liberation Day. Of course, Malcolm, uh, after he um, transitioned out of the nation of Islam, 
went straight to Panathenaic. And he recognized that young people, and he traveled, you know, the 18 months or so uh, prior to his assassination by the FBI and, and the U.S. government, he traveled throughout Africa and, and met with Nkrumah, Secretary, and and uh, and Gamal Abdul Nasser and, and others, you know. Um, and so he saw the value and understood the importance of Africans in the Western Hemisphere and being uh, a part of the struggle of Africans at home in Africa. And that's where, you know, the organization he founded uh, prior to his assassination was the Organization of Afro-American Unity with the uh, golden objective of organizing and uniting Africans in the Western Hemisphere for the purpose of uniting uh, with Africans in Africa. Um, and so all of them played a, a, a great role in the question of the maintenance and the building and giving clarification as to what role African Liberation Day should play inside of the African Revolution. Now, Ho Chi Minh, uh, who is a great man, and, 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 and the thing about Ho Chi Minh, he is a representative of the Vietnamese people who African people have to be uh, extremely proud of and, and be in solidarity with because a little bitty country like Vietnam defeated uh, French imperialism, uh, defeated Japanese imperialism, and defeated uh, U.S. imperialism. And in doing so, not only did they defeat them and were victorious as it relates to the uh, Vietnamese Revolution, but any victory against imperialism in the world is a, victor, is a victory for all oppressed and exploited people in the world. And then so when you follow Ho Chi Minh's history, he was a supporter of the uh, Universal Negro, Negro Improvement Association of Marcus Garvey. He was. He was a person who very well understood that African people were the most oppressed and exploited on earth. He very well understood that the development of capitalism and imperialism was based upon the uh, kidnapping, the trafficking, and enslavement of African people, and therefore that the African Revolution was uh, dialectically connected to the revolution inside of Vietnam. And so... Uh, Secretary, once uh, the PDG and, and Ahmed Secretary came to power, one of the first places they, they visited and, and, and established uh, solidarity and, and cooperation was, was Vietnam. Um, so all revolutionary, all revolutionaries, whether who are not African, but are fighting against imperialism and fighting against Zionism, they impact African Liberation Day. Because in our history, as APRP and APRPGC, we always wanted to put those forces on our stage or on our platform to give them an opportunity to politically educate the African revolution, the African masses, about the struggle in their particular country and its relationship to the struggle for Pan-Africanism. And, uh, and so Ho Chi Minh was very instrumental uh, uh, with that. And matter of fact, uh, he invited and hosted Kwame Ture uh, in 1967 and was instrumental in, in directing Kwame to, to, to get to Africa, uh, and which he did after, uh, after visiting with uh, Vietnam. But that had been decided also with uh, uh, Madam uh, 
uh, Du Bois, she was the person who, who commissioned for Kwame to meet uh, Nkrumah, etc. But Ho Chi Minh was recognizing that African people outside of Africa, those in the Americas in particular, uh, were also African, and that the uh, struggle of the Africans in the diaspora was also connected to the struggle of Africans at home. And uh, that's how those individuals, and there are others, that uh, help uh, give direction to and help keep the APRPG, APRPGC focused on the role of African Liberation Day. And we always uh, encourage our people uh, to join an organization because you cannot do anything for your people outside of organization, either the APRBGC or some organization, a regional organization that is struggling for our people. If you're not a member of an organization, you are not serious about the liberation of our people. And that's what uh, African Liberation Day has proven, that there are those who have given lip service and rhetoric to Pan-Africanism and to the liberation of the African continent under socialism and have abandoned that line and abandoned that practice, and there are those who have remained true. And we at APRPGC are, are part of those forces who have remained true to the ideas and the program and the work of Nkrumah, uh, Kwame Ture, Secretary Malcolm, Ho Chi Minh, Fidel Castro, Kim El-Sung. I mean, yeah, Kim El-Sung. I mean, we can go down the list of revolutionaries internationally and on a Pan-African basis who have made a contribution to the struggle against capitalism and imperialism and therefore made a contribution uh, to the institution of African Liberation Day and for us also with Palestine not by day. You know, two of the biggest impediments to African Liberation Day, Palestine, and Nakbar Day achieving its objectives of having a liberated, unified social Africa, which GC has defined as Pan Africanism, is the reality of African and Zionism weighs heavily on Africa and its people. How are these problems being addressed today by GC, the APIPGC, and the use of the Institutional African Liberation Day, Constant Day, too, to fight these reactionary forces? Well, again, this year, um, we made the effort to have uh, African Liberation Day not just a one-day program, seminar, event, but a offensive. For us, it's a month long. It's a, it's a, it's a new um, new reality. So we are trying to be in the forefront of waging an ideological and organizational offensive against capitalism, against imperialism, against neocolonialism, against Zionism, and against the oppression and exploitation of, of, of women. And uh, the impediments that we confront are more internal than external. Um, the resources necessary to fight um, capitalism and imperialism are tremendous. But our, our task today, our role today, is in the area of mass political education. That is, that is what our people need. 
um, and the conditions which uh, people operate are different depending on the areas of the world in which we live. AFRICOM is the enemy of Africa because AFRICOM is the military expression of U.S. imperialism in Africa. And for Africa to be liberated, united, and socialist, AFRICOM must be expelled, must be eradicated from the African continent. We know that this will not happen under the neocolonial regimes that currently exist because AFRICOM is in Africa because the governments of Africa allowed U.S. imperialism to wreak havoc in Africa. Many people do not know that when the uh, war in uh, Ukraine initially uh, armed, armed fighting started, that uh, AFRICOM was bombing Somalia. AFRICOM has drone bases in Africa because AFRICOM's role in Africa is to crush the revolutionary and progressive forces on the ground. That is its role. And so when you hear the United States call a, a, a movement on the African continent, they're terrorists, that means that they're not for them. And therefore, they use the word terrorism as a way to justify the murder of our liberation forces on the ground inside of Africa. And so in Africa, uh, the, 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 the nature of the struggle may be armed because the struggle of our people is much bigger than the APIPG and is much bigger than our ability to meet the needs of our people in all areas of the world. We don't have that ability. We're a small import. And so our primary focus is that we have to build an organization with the capacity that A, does mass liberal education, and then with that capacity, it, off, it uh, offers other opportunities to do other things strategically that allow us to have more of an uh, impact in Africa on the question of the U.S. imperialism, military there, and on the question of Zionism. Because the diamonds of Africa are controlled by Zionists. Uh, Oppenheimer, Zionists, still in Africa. Neocolonialism can only exist with the support of U.S. imperialism and Zionism and other forces or other expressions of, of, of European imperialism on the African continent because they are used to protect the what uh, Secretary calls the anti-people of Africa. These are the African elite who are, are able to steal the wealth of Africa or to get pittances for allowing imperialism to steal the wealth of Africa. And so we just have to expose them uh, to conditions of our people, the oppression and exploitation of our people in itself will help to create the conditions for intensification of the struggle against neocolonialism on the African continent and for the unification of Africa under socialism. Our task is to help clarify the issues for our people, uh, as any revolutionary party's task is, and our people will take the ownership and the lead in the fight. Uh, the reactionary forces, those that are indigenous to Africa, those who are African, but also the uh, forces of imperialism on the ground in Africa, including uh, the, uh, the occupiers of Palestine being represented in Africa, uh, NATO, uh, and AFRICOM. And so, again, uh, the impediments to ALD are none other than us being able to 
uh, expand the, re- the resources necessary to improve the quality of what we are presenting, providing, and organizing uh, in the name of African Liberation Day and in the struggle for Pan-Africanism. To our listeners, this is Africa on the Move. We're doing a special program in support and honor of the call made by the All-African Peoples Revolutionary Party GC for African Liberation Month. We are honored to have this particular interview with Brother Waterman Keto as he talked about the history and the struggle of the institution of African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. We're going to take a station break, and when we come back, we will open up our phone lines to those who may have questions or comments as we continue to discuss the timely subject of the Institution of African Liberation Day. Let's pause for this cause. Mass parties sprung up. If you look at the Caribbean, mass parties sprung up. 
And if you look at the United States, mass movements sprang up. So the call was heeded for mass confrontation. Of course, the Fifth Pan-African Congress made two definite and precise resolutions which I want to uh, highlight. Of course, Pan-Africanism from the very beginning was anti-colonial. From the very beginning it was anti-colonial. It was weak. So when they came, they didn't say to the Queen, we're going to put you out of the country. They said, you must treat the natives right. You must educate them. You must prepare them for self-government. These are things that are weak, but they were anti-colonial in essence. We must not look at the form. And we got stronger, the more this anti-colonialism will express itself. Now, anti-colonialism is nothing but anti-capitalism. Because colonialism is nothing but an offshoot, an aspect of capitalism. Therefore, if you're anti-colonial, you must be anti-capitalist, if you're logical in your thinking, of course, and your actions. Some people are not, but we are speaking of logical people here. <laughs> if you're anti-capitalist, then you must be socialist. Capitalism cannot unite Africa. Africa has to be united by socialism. Now, there's a lot of confusion here on this question of capitalism and socialism. Just recently, a young man said to me, but socialism died. I said, it did. He said, you didn't hear about it. I said, I missed the funeral. <laughs> of course, he spoke about the betrayals that occurred in the East. You must not let capitalism confuse your thinking. This is a struggle which Pan-Africanism takes on. We struggle against imperialism in the illogical arena because many people think that capitalism just wants to exploit your labor. It wants to confuse your thinking and make you think just like them. And this is where the real fight occurs. So therefore, this struggle of confusing the thinking, I told the man, I said, you're talking nonsense. Socialism cannot uh, uh, disappear. It cannot die. He said, yes, it can. I said, no. He said, how do you say that? I said, well, you are judging uh, socialism by socialists. You don't do that. He said, I've never heard such nonsense. If you don't judge socialism by socialists, what do you judge it by? I say, you judge it by its principles. Every system is judged by its principles, never its adherence. So he still saw confusion. He said, you're just talking double talk. I said, okay, do you judge Christianity by Christians? <laughs> So we must not be confused here. Socialism doesn't fall because of betrayal. No system does. The person who betrays themselves goes to the mud, but the system with its eternal principles keep marching on. If a system fell because of betrayal, Christianity would have been finished with Judas. At least Judas had the dignity to hang himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these who betray socialism don't have that dignity. Gorbachev still runs around speaking, and I'm picking up 30 pieces of silver everywhere. Yeah. So uh, socialism is an economic system, and there can only be two in the world, capitalism or socialism, because every economic system must answer one fundamental question. Who will own and control the wealth of the country? Who will own and control the means of production? The question can only be answered two ways. Either a few will own or everyone will own. It's as simple as that. And under capitalism, we say, please summarize that we might have. No, I'm going. I thought I had 20 minutes. It's my time. I thought I had 20 minutes. I was going by the clock. How much time do I have left? I'm sorry, maybe I'm off. That's what I thought I did. I was watching. Now I'm watching my clock. I'm a responsible. I'm rev revolutionary. I go back to <laughs> my clock. Thank you. Matter of fact, I can say it in two words, black power. <laughs> and today we've gone to one, Pan-Africanism. <laughs> yeah. So there are only two economic systems, and it's going to be capitalism or socialism. Capitalism is a backward system. There's no need to discuss it. Certainly anyone who's been made a slave by capitalism ought to be hesitant in trying to support the system. But as a conscious African, I must be against capitalism, and I must, of course, seek to destroy it. So in, when you speak of Pan-Africanism, you must understand you speak of socialism. And we want to underline there's only one socialism out here, and that's scientific socialism, whose principles are abiding and universal. 
There's no such thing as African socialism, Chinese socialism, Russian socialism, Arab socialism. There's only one socialism. The confusion arises over ideology. That is that which guides you towards your objective. So we're saying clearly here, Pan-Africanism is not an ideology. It is an objective. It is an achievable. Pan-Africanism is the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. All we want is a unified continent with a socialist system. That's all. But you know Africa is the richest continent in the world. When she's properly organized, she'll be the most powerful. Yeah, of course. Of course. And me, all I want is power. <laughs> I'm not like others. I don't want money. I don't want popularity. I just want the power I'm supposed to get. That's all. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon as we continue our interview with Brother Nwadu Kito, organized for the All African Peoples. Revolutionary Party GC. We know that at this point in time on our board, we have quite a few callers who've been waiting very patiently to raise some issues and concerns as relates to this question of the history of African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. So right now, we're going to go to some of our callers. Callers, when we come to you, please make sure you can limit your question or your statement to no more than two minutes at most. So we go to caller number 7236. Caller 7236. The mic is yours. 7236. Welcome to Africa on the Move. Go on. Try again. Caller 7236. Okay, we've been trying to get our caller 7236. We want to try one more time. Call us, 7236. Yes, your question comment, call Yeah, uh, well, first of all, it's a fantastic program. A fantastic program this evening, and thank you so much for allowing me to ask this question. Now, with um, African Liberation Day being expanded for the entire Month are these are there events and activities that are planned uh, globally uh, as a part of this month-long celebration of African Liberation Day, Palestine Day? Uh, yes, uh, the calendar of events, uh, the programs and whatnot, um, will be on our web our website a dash hrp as gc.org and uh, some of them uh, again again this some of them are, are being supported and, and kind of hosted by African awareness others will be organized specifically by the all African people's revolutionary party GC so to answer your question it is yes we will have uh, programming that will be uh, available uh, worldwide by GC itself thank you You know the comments question, Carla. Yeah, uh, the the uh, the fact that the issue of uh, equality for women and it being a global issue, I think that's a, a, a very uh, important and profound issue. In that uh, the UN recognizes the crises that one in four women and girls face in their lifetime and the United States and its imperialist government has failed to 
So uh, thank you uh, for uh, bringing to the forefront the issue of equality uh, amongst uh, four women in society. Thank you. Uh, you're quite welcome. I think it's of critical importance. And Kwame made a point of that in, in, in what Lee just, uh, Brother Africa just uh, uh, played, is that the emancipation of women cannot happen outside of the revolutionary struggle for socialism. And as long as the uh, the nature of the struggle for women's emancipation is kept within the context of re- trying to reform capitalism, uh, women would never be free. They would never be emancipated. Only a new system, a socialist system that has as its objective the eradication of the exploitation of one human being over the other, until that type of system is in place, the idea that a woman can be emancipated is, is frivolous. And again, I think if you look at the revolutionary Cuba, you can see where a society that is that is making an effort, every effort to build a non-exploitative society, you can see the advancement of the role of women in Cuban society and also the level of their uh, emancipation based upon the quality of socialism that's being built there. Okay, let's go to our next caller, caller 6057. 6057, the mic is yours. Thanks, uh, Brother Africa, and thanks for your presentation, Brother Mwalimu. Uh Just uh, a couple of uh, a comment and a question. Um, historically, African Liberation Day, Palestine Day, has been used to try to build relationships with other progressive and revolutionary organizations. Uh, During this uh, month-long commemoration, uh, who are some of the organizations that are being invited to participate in order to advance the struggle for Pan-Africanism? and uh, hopefully encourage uh, them to participate in our offensive. I would be honest, I don't know all of the, the, those who are, are being invited because that is not my area of responsibility, but I will say this, that every African Liberation Day, uh, our one of our goals is, is, is to um, have uh, revolutionary and progressive organizations from various movements around the world uh, participate in African Liberation Day. And so, uh, for example, uh, the indigenous people of the Western Hemisphere, uh, we recognize that particularly for, for those of us who live here in this part of the world, that we are on another people's land. So we always want to never uh, be remiss in acknowledging that this is not the land of African people here in the Western Hemisphere, and we give uh, total support and solidarity, as stated earlier, with the struggle for them to reclaim their land. Um, the Irish, we have always had uh, cordial and, and, and revolutionary solidarity with the people of Ireland because of their, because of British occupation uh, inside of Africa. Um, 
the uh, PRPAG in Guinea is a sister party of ours that uh, we always look to participate in African liberation. And I'm just using these as an example of organizations that in different parts of the world, whether it be in West Papua New Guinea, et cetera, that uh, we, we will solicit and we seek their participation in African Liberation Day because the one thing that Secretary says is and is correct, that Africans live in every country on earth. And so African Liberation Day must reflect all African people who are fighting against imperialism and capitalism. And it must also also include revolutionary organizations. They be in Palestine, uh, they be in Syria, they be in Iran, they be wherever uh, these uh, movements and organizations are fighting against capitalism and imperialism, we want them to participate in African Liberation Day. Uh, one of the things that is clear for us is that uh, we do not uh, differentiate uh, the right word with people because of their ethnicity when they are fighting the same struggle that we're fighting. And so whether they be Asian, whether they be European, uh, whether they be indigenous to this part of the world, whether they be indigenous to the islands of the South Pacific, et cetera, that we want that Pan-African and international expression as a part of African Liberation Day. Thank you. Hello? Okay, let's go to our next call. Caller, we can come to 4298. Caller 4298, welcome to Africa on the Moon. 4298. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone. Um, um, I think my main question is, is there going to be a, a physical gathering uh uh, on a particular one day for our African Liberation Day, like um, I know it's a month-long celebration, but will there be a, a, a usually around Malcolm X birthday? There's a gathering. That's my question. Uh, not this year. Uh, that is uh, something that is is under the discussion. Um, but particularly, you know, given you know, the COVID that we experienced, it, it actually kind of got us into uh, doing ALD uh, through Zoom. Uh, and what we found out is that you actually can reach uh, a lot more uh, people using the technology, and that's our, our overall goal. But I will say that we are having those discussions about the practicality of doing a uh, ALD back on the ground. Historically, we did ALDs at Malcolm X Park uh, in Washington, D.C., but uh, that area of the, uh, well, let's just say it this way. When I was young, one of the motivations for me moving to D.C. was it was called the Chocolate City. And uh, now it's, it's, not, it's not the Chocolate City. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's somebody else's city. So the, the whole notion of doing an ALD, even in a D.C., may not be the most uh, practical reality. But uh, what I would also say, we do know that mobilization is a part of organizational building. And so putting our people in the streets as we did in the past is a definitely a way, another form of clinical education uh, that in protest that, that meets the needs uh, of our people. We just don't know whether we are in a position to do that. Definitely not this year, 
But again, we we are having that discussion as about as the weather in the near future. Uh, we want to put ALD back on the ground someplace. That is my answer. Brother Wallyman, you know that uh, institutional African Liberation Day has a 64-year history, and Palestine Day has a 74-year history. Now, who are the history makers, and how would GC address the issue of recording and presenting its true Pan-Africanist history of struggle and victories? Well, I think, you know, our our position on that issue, who makes history, is, is consistent with the Kwame Ture and Nkrumah and, and Sekou Ture and, and revolutionaries, uh, at least African revolutionaries around the world, that the masses of the people are the makers of history. Um, and, and so when we talk about African Liberation Day, it has to be within the context of the people as as a whole. And, uh the nature of, of struggle sometimes is that, uh, like in, if you look at the, the early 70s and the 60s, ALD, uh, they were massive. They were large uh, protests, demonstrations, and movements um, because the conditions allowed that to happen. You know, the question of nationalism is one that's easy for our people. You know, we're black, we're African, African independence. It was, it was much easier to mobilize. Uh, our people around those concepts. And Nkrumah, he said it clearly in Class Struggle in Africa that uh, nationalism is the ideological channel by which you move you move and, and, and organize, mobilize your people. Um, in this era of, of history, uh, we are fighting neocolonialism, meaning that the nature of the struggle that we are engaged in is internal. The primary struggle is internal. Uh, the struggles of our people created the conditions for the African, more so the intelligentsia, the African intelligentsia, those of us who had the opportunity to go to a college or university. It created the conditions for us to reap the benefits of mass struggle, meaning that uh, based upon the struggles of the people, we were allowed um, access to more resources, uh, to capitalism and imperialism. Uh, but the payoff had to be that we participated consciously in the oppression and exploitation of our people. Uh, and so the intelligentsia, instead of defending the uh, interests of the masses of the people and their dignity uh, and their, their human rights and human dignity, uh, in actuality were paid handsomely just to do the opposite, which is to uh, not educate the people, to miseducate the people, to advocate that our people only look at reform as a solution to their problem. For example, in the United States, the intelligence to have our people locked between the Democratic and Republican Party, uh, that they don't look outside the box, so to speak, uh, in terms of liberation. Uh, and all reform is not negative. But reform is not the solution to the mass of our people. Revolution is the only solution. And uh, so, again, when it comes to uh, the history of African Liberation Day, um, 64 year history, again, it's in line with the revolutionary struggle of the, uh, of the mass of our people for 
what they may not necessarily be conscious of, but is objectively the answer to their uh, situation, economically, politically, socially, culturally, et cetera. And, and that solution is Pan-Africanism, uh, which is nothing more than one unified socialist Africa. And uh, African Liberation Day for us each and every year uh, is organized towards that end, moving our people, the mass of our people, towards an understanding that the liberation and unification of Africa under socialism is the only solution to their liberation. You know, the AAP, AAPRPGC may claim that they are an inheritor, a continuator of Kwame Nkrumah, the and Kwame Terrain works. What has GC inherited from them? What are you continuing from them? And what has GC added to this revolutionary historical struggle? Well, what we inherited is the tradition of, of uh, and again, I, I think what we say in Kruma, uh, Secretary and Kwame Ture, that they are uh, of the revolutionary fervor of the African masses. So, um, but I think what we what we've inherited, they have laid out a history, a legacy, a a guide towards uh, the emancipation of our people. So we inherit the African Revolution and everything that goes with it. Uh, we inherit the, the, the historical struggle to unite Africa as one. Uh, we inherit the struggle to emancipate our women from uh, oppression and exploitation. Uh, we inherit the importance of having solidarity with revolutionary and progressive organizations and peoples from throughout the world. So those things we inherit, and those things we continue to uh, uh, to espouse to our people, to, to push to our people that this must be, that when you're fighting a common enemy, the nationality of those who fight with you are not important. And as, as, as Malcolm and, and we in APRPGC say, you can't join us in terms of organization, but you definitely can be in solidarity, and we seek your solidarity in a common struggle against a common enemy. Um, what we bring or what we've added is that uh, neither Secretary nor Kwame Nkrumah ever attempted to build a party outside of the area in which they were born and lived. And so Kwame Ture brought the APRP to the Western Hemisphere in 1970, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we have been working to actually build a party uh, in the Caribbean, South America, Central America, Africa, Europe, uh, because that is the type of instrument that is necessary to, uh, to fight and attack imperialism on all fronts worldwide. And uh, so our contribution is trying to formulate the structures and the organization that will allow our people to fight a Pan-African struggle uh, worldwide. 
uh, and that that's the contribution that we are making, uh, trying to spread the ideology of Nkrumahism and, and Tereism to the mass of our people, because our people must have revolutionary ideology to fight a struggle to destroy capitalism and imperialism. And, and Nkrumahism, Tereism, in our mind, in our understanding, is the ideology of the uh, of the African Revolution, and so we continue to do our best, uh, particularly with the technology that has capitalism has created, to use it against them as a way to ex- educate and organize our people, particularly our students and youth, and and, and our sisters, our women. You know, Wadamu, y'all place a great emphasis on. Students and youth, why? Uh, well, for us, when we study history, uh, the intelligentsia, although the smallest part of the African people, the smallest numerically, uh, it is similar uh, to the fuse on a stick of dynamite. It is not the dynamite, it is just the fuse. And in history, we have seen. Uh, where students and youth, students in particular, have been uh, in the forefront of the struggle to bring revolutionary ideas to the masses of the people. Ideas do not come, I mean, revolutionary ideas are not produced at the level of the masses. The masses send its youth and its students to school to learn these ideas, these methodologies, organization, et cetera, to come back and teach them. Uh, when Fidel and the Cuban Revolution was won, uh, Fidel and the party, Communist Party of Cuba, closed the schools for a year and sent the youth and the students into the countryside to teach the masses how to read. And so this is just being used as an example of the role of students and youth uh, in revolutionary struggle. And today, that struggle has not changed. The problem we have is that the enemy has greater ideological influence over our youth than does the revolution. And that's why we're fighting to imbue and to help our students understand their role in history. Uh, From our research, for example, the African continent is predominantly youth. It's predominantly young people. So they have to be in the they have to be educated so that they understand their role and responsibility. They are the future of the African Revolution. You know, some of us talk about or I can talk about myself been in the in the movement for forty eight years. Okay, and that, that's fine. But that only means that it is my responsibility or our responsibility to assure that we have brought young people into the revolutionary process, into our party, to move it forward. Our struggle is generational. I will not, we will not see Pan-Africanism in our lifetime. And so we must prepare the next generation to wage a unrelenting and uncompromising struggle against capitalism, against imperialism, against Zionism, against neocolonialism, and against the, emanci- the oppression and exploitation of women. And it is they who must take this, this struggle to the next stage, to the next level, 
And if it's not one in their generation, must prepare students and youth to take it after them. And, and that is the nature of why we place emphasis on students and youth today. It is grounded in our study of history. Now, in Wazamu, this interview is being listened to around the world. And for those Africans at home and abroad who may hear your presentation today, what is the one thing that they must do if they genuinely want Africa and African people to be free, unified, and socialist? They must join organizations. They must join revolutionary organizations. Uh, we, uh, I mean, at this stage of history, it is very clear that the emancipation of our people will only come through revolution. It is very clear that it will only come through the organization of the masses. The struggle of Pan-Africanism is not about the struggle of states, as Sacred as Trey uh, explained years ago, it is the struggle of the people. The people take precedence over states, particularly when those states are reactionary, particularly when those states are nothing but appendages of, of imperialism. And, and, and so um, it is it is critical that we belong to or an organization. Uh, we can go as, as far as to say that if you are not a member of an organization, you have no desire to be a part of the struggle to liberate and emancipate African people. Kwame Therese said it, I mean, Kwame Nkrumah said it best. We must organize as never before because organization decides everything. It was true when he said that back in the 50s, fighting for an independent Ghana, and it is true today. Capitalism is an organized system. It is organized to exploit our people 24-7. It has three shifts. It never sleeps. It exploits our people without pity and without mercy. And the only way that we will ever be able to, our, our brothers and sisters on the continent, uh, to, to, to see our people free, and to see our people not having to suffer, to not having to flee Africa uh, and drown in the Mediterranean Sea trying to get to Europe. The only way we will change uh, those conditions is that we join an organization that is fighting for the liberation of the African continent, that is fighting for the destruction of neocolonialism, to fighting for the unification of the African continent under a socialist government. And if we are not doing those things, if we're not for that, then we are not serious about the liberation of our people on the African continent and worldwide. You have made the call for all just and freedom-loving people to join the AAPRP offensive against capitalism, imperialism, Zionism, and neocolonialism throughout African Liberation Month. Why? Imperialism is militarily aggressive worldwide. And it's not about Ukraine. It's about the Caribbean. It's about South and Central America. It's about Africans in Europe. 
you know, Africans born in Africa, Africans in Asia. But imperialism, particularly U.S. imperialism, is militarily uh, attacking our people worldwide. And so to counter imperialism and its attack, we must also intensify our struggle. And in some parts of the world, maybe the intensification of that struggle is military. But for most of the African world that we see, that the intensification of the struggle against capitalism is an ideological struggle, meaning that we must convince our people that, not convince our people, we must show our people that capitalism is the problem. So even when we talk about, for example, police brutality, that's capitalism. Anytime we talk about poverty, that's capitalism. Anytime we talk about drug addiction in our community and amongst our people, it's capitalism. It is capitalism as the problem. So you can't resolve the symptoms of the problem without resolving the root of it and impairment in all systems of exploitation uh, worldwide. And so it's important that we unite with all the forces of progress who are fighting against these systems of exploitation. It is important that we do not see ourselves as in isolation of other forces because we know that the world, there's a worldwide movement against capitalism and imperialism. We just must unite. And so we have called for and we want to work with all revolutionary and progressive forces not just for the month of May, but ongoing as an offensive to help educate African and other peoples of the world the importance of joining an organization in fighting against and fighting for the destruction of capitalism and imperialism and for the building of scientific socialism in Africa, the Caribbean, et cetera, and around the world. And really the essence of scientific socialism is only to say that the world as an objective, the masses want to live in peace, and they want to live in a world where one human being does not exploit another. And we just define that for this stage as, as scientific socialism. And so um, that's why it's important that, uh, that, that, that we reach out as APRPGC to all those forces and that we collectively uh, intensify our struggle against the common enemy, which is capitalism and imperialism. Earlier in Wildermoo, we used different kind of terminology where the masses may not understand. I want you to try to simplify them a little bit tonight. When we talk about neocolonialism, in essence, what is neocolonialism? How does it look in Africa? How does it look, in, look like in America and other places and countries where we may have large populations of African people? Okay. The, the, the best way I can explain it or, or try to give an example is, again, you have to go back to history. And you have to understand imperialism. The, the imperialism never thinks it's going to lose, uh, that it is uh, omnipotent, so to speak. Uh, and so in 1884, when they colonized the continent of Africa, um, 
there was no idea that that colonization would ever stop on the side of capitalism and imperialism. But in 1957, uh, Ghana was a breakthrough for the continent of Africa. Because March 6, 1957, uh, Nkrumah uh, and the Convention People's Party led uh, the country of Ghana to independence. Critical, uh, important part about that is that Nkrumah was a Pan-Africanist. And it was he who said on that day that the independence of Ghana was meaningless without the total uh, liberation uh, and unification of the African continent. And so why is that important? It's because imperialism had to grant independence to African countries. It had to. But it's a very sophisticated system. And so what it did in preparation of independence, it trained an intelligentsia to think. And so, for example, under French imperialism, they had French... um, they had African intelligentsia inside of the French parliament while uh, Mali and Guinea, et cetera, were colonized. You became a French citizen by denying your African history and culture and heritage and, and being French, uh, so to speak. And so and I'm just using it as an example. So imperialism uh, created the intelligentsia that, they would use to replace uh, the Europeans who were the government inside of colonial Africa. Malcolm, this, and you're talking about breaking it down, Malcolm called these people Uncle Toms, uh, Uncle, Uncle Roy, or Uncle whomever, because everyday term, that was the mass term, for example, in the United States. Everybody knew Uncle Tom was. He was a guy that uh, did whatever uh, master or the European uh, said needs to be done. And so when Europe uh, removed itself from Africa in terms of the Europeans that were actually running the country, et cetera, they put Africans in office to continue the same program, the same uh, system of oppression exploitation, but you never saw the European. You only saw the African president. You only saw the African parliament or, or, or et cetera. And so the assumption mm-hmm. was that you were free. And so um, this is not only true in Africa, but because of the struggles in Africa, for example, in the Western Hemisphere, you had Africans being elected as mayors. You have active Af- Africans being elected as senators and congressmen and congresswomen. Uh, now you even had your little president. All right? But none of them to change the conditions of the people, of our people. They only work for what? The enemy. Because the Democratic Party is the enemy of our people. The Republican Party is the enemy of our people. They are the enemy. And, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But the elected leadership advocated that the only way to change the conditions of the people was to vote inside society. And we're not opposed to voting. Voting is a tactic, but who did you vote for? Well, you voted either for a Democrat or you voted for a Republican. And the thing is, no voting African really knows the platform of either party. The, the Democratic Party 
support Zionism. The Republican Party supports Zionism. The Democratic supports racism. The Republican Party supports racism. The Democratic Party supports the exploitation of one human being over another because it's a capitalist party. So does the Republican Party. So we get caught in the reform struggle as to whether the Democratic Party is better than the Republican Party or whether the Republican Party is better than the Democratic Party, but neither one of the parties are for the emancipation of our people. And so when we talk about neocolonialism, we're talking about uh, a system where those of us, and I'm one of those persons who had an opportunity to go to college, so I can speak to that because I was in school with them, that uh, when you go for the money, when that's your objective of going to school and that's your objective of coming out of school is making a lot of money, oh, they're going to let you make it. But you have to, you have to rape, rape your people to do so. And so you have what I call cadre of capitalism, which are Africans who consciously are willing to rape their own people for money. And that is the essence of neocolonialism. So even though, for example, you have African governments over the entire African continent, the poverty of our people, given colonialism and neocolonialism, is unchanged. You change the face of the government, but the poverty, the exploitation, the hunger, the, 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 the death rate of our kids, uh, the infant mortality, all those things are high because the system is the same. Africa is the wealthiest continent on earth, on earth, but African people are some of the poorest people on earth because we have people in office who do not care as to whether we live a quality life as a human being. And that is, that is in essence, what neocolonialism is, and that's what it does. Okay, how will Pan-Africanism play a major role in addressing the hostility and the issues that are confronting countries like Cuba, Venezuela, Zimbabwe? Um, you name these countries where the U.S. foreign policy is very hostile and is at war with. How do you see Pan-Africanism playing a role of being able to protect Africans no matter where they may be? That's a, an important question, um, and, and I'd have to reference uh, the, the uh, statement by Kwame that you played just, just a little while ago, is that the struggle is for power. The role of a political party is the seizure of state power, it's the seizure of power. And power is seized by the masses or the power is seized by uh, the few. Currently, power is in the hand of the few. And so when we understand that the development of capitalism, the ability to exploit the continent of Africa, first and foremost was Africa's labor. Because to accumulate capital where you don't have to pay labor is unheard of. But if you think about the wealth that Europe obtained, not paying any African labor. It ripped off a hundred million of our people. Not all made it to the Western Hemisphere. But even if they generated a hundred million people or 50 million people generated a hundred dollars a month, you can see the wealth that Europe was uh, obtaining that allowed it to industrialize. 
our people were not paid. And our people worked from can't see in the morning to can't see at night. People were fed the guts of pigs as, as their food. Our people didn't have clothing to wear and shoes to wear. That is how we were treated as slaves, right? And so when we understand this, that capitalism could not exist without Africa, then we also understand that when Africa is, when Pan-Africanism is realized, it at the same time will lay the basis for the destruction of capitalism and imperialism worldwide. If you take Africa away from imperialism, it will die. The oil will be gone. The gold will be gone. The diamonds will be gone. The timber will be gone. The cobalt will be gone. The coltan will be, be gone. All of the minerals necessary to the maintenance and, and, and upkeep of capitalism will be gone. And that is the role that the struggle from Pan-Africanism will play. It will play the primary role in the defeat of and the destruction of capitalism and imperialism. And with that, the liberation of world humanity. That is why Nkuma said that the emancipation of Africa is the emancipation of man, because it is on the, on the backs of Africa that capitalism was, uh, was developed, and it was on the backs of, of African people and the resource of Africa that it is maintained. And it's not to say exclusively, because imperialism breaks the world, but Africa is the primary means and maintenance for the capitalist system. And that is why AFRICOM is in Africa today. And that is why the neocolonial countries are allowing the military of the United States to enter Africa to protect them from the upsurge on the discontent of our people. And uh, with the regionalism, European capitalism will find its grave in Africa. You know, wise move. Um, if you look at the African politician today, or in essence, if you look at anyone who participate in the U.S. political system, and because it is a system, it only leads you down to one way, or one road, they say, and that's the road to oppression. That is to say that everything they do and all decisions they make is basically geared towards maintaining the imperialist system. So what do we get out of politically participating in a system that already designed and structure designed to benefit a few individuals and to oppress the masses? How can you be an African politician and truly help that people? And what's the alternative to that? Well, I think first and foremost, the the politician uh, should blame should belong to the same organization as the people, because reform can play a role in revolution. Our problem is that the people that are elected to office are not representative of the people that vote for us. They're in different organizations. Our people don't belong to any organization, but they vote. And the people they vote for are in an organization that is responsible for their oppression and exploitation. So if, for example, we had an all-African Twitter party that made the decision it would run people for office at the local or whatever, that at least the people who are in office would be 
a representative of the organization. Our problem is that our people are totally disorganized. Our problem is that our people lack political education. And so we elect people to office without understanding or out making them be accountable to us. And so if we can change those conditions, then voting for someone or or them participating in an electoral process, even within the context of the capitalist country, we may find use. But as long as our people are disorganized, as long as our people are ignorant of the politics that govern their everyday life, then the best we can do is elect people can manipulate us and use us for their own greed and and, and, and ends. And to me, uh, today, that's what we have. Uh, from the national level, and I'm talking specifically about the United States, where you have Africans in national government, you have people in, 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 in the Supreme Court, et cetera, et cetera. But the, who do they represent? They represent the enemy because they are Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And what happens, for example, we just witnessed uh, the sister uh, going to the, to, the, uh, uh, to the Supreme Court. They make sure you're going to work for them. They're they going to ask you the questions that they need to ask and make sure you're on board with this oppression exploitation. They make sure of that. And so even though we're happy for them because they got a job, you know, and that's what they got, they will do nothing to alter the conditions in which our people live, absolutely nothing. Till we change those types of conditions, then reform can never serve a progressive or positive role for our people. Our people must be organized, and our people must be, be politically educated. And on that note, we're going to take a rubber break. We'll come back again. We're talking to Iwan Mukito. He's a organizer, a Pan-Africanist for the All African Peoples, represented by GC. As we continue to discuss this important issue of the institution of African Liberation Day and this whole question of the need for organization, we encourage you to join us by calling 323-679-0841 when we return. This is Brother Africa, and we are celebrating African Liberation Month in conjunction with the AAPRPGC. We'll be right back. Chains living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know I must be. Strong to last through my journey, yeah. Last through my journey, yeah. Time 
time will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh, how beautiful I will be to know. That I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Hellerino. A bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun, pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. Light is clear. Oh, how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it through my journey. Yeah, 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 yeah.
If you think of the Middle East in this modern time, you can't help but say the word Palestine. People there have lost their land. Some have lost their home. They live in other countries, their freedom almost gone. Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine. Needs, our needs our love. Needs our love. Palestine, Palestine. needs her freedom. Needs Palestine, Palestine needs our love. There seems to be no answer to give us the reason why people cannot live so no one has to die. We've got to take a stand for freedom, take a stand for truth. Take a stand for justice, that's what we've got to do. Cause Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs, our love. needs our love. People of all countries, of every race and creed, we need a new beginning. Let us plant the seed. Plant the seed of love and let that love seed grow. Plant the seed for everyone so all the world will know that Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Needs freedom. Palestine, Palestine needs our love, needs our love. Palestine, Palestine needs her freedom. Her freedom, Palestine, Palestine needs our love. For more than 30 years, the Piscataway Indian Nation singers and dancers have been touring the world in an attempt to break stereotypes and educate others about the history of their people. Their leader and narrator, Mark Tyak, is the son of a 28th generation Piscataway chieftain. When his father passes, it would be his turn to lead his tribe. During a ceremonial war dance, James Edwards displays the American Indian virtue of mercy by not striking his target. Steve Conway demonstrated what is called a men's grass dance. These were often used by American Indians to flatten grassy plains before making camp. Here Eagle Boy Co. leads sophomore elementary education and engineering major Melissa Zichkowski in a rabbit dance, traditionally done by couples. Conley took the stage yet again to demonstrate a ring dance, an age-old tradition of forming shapes with rings, things like eagles, turtles, and the world. Coe performed an eagle dance, while Tayek explained the origin of the term Indian as it is used to describe Native Americans.
The term came from Columbus, who, after being taken in by natives, affectionately dubbed them Indios, Spanish for in God. For more than thirty years, for more than thirty years, the Piscata. We'd like to welcome you back to Africa on the Moon. This is a special program in support and solidarity with the All African Peoples Revolutionary Party GC as they embrace African Liberation Month. We're discussing and interviewing Brother Wally Mukito, who is the organizer for the AAPRPGC. And like always, we want to bring you information that you need. As we often say on this program, we may not give you what you want, but we will do our best to give you what you need. And one of the things that our people are lacking is revolutionary information and organization. And tonight, we hope that we have done a good enough job to encourage you and inspire you to take a closer look at the AAPRPGC and attempt to find a way to get yourself involved more closely in terms of either to help them to build that organization or become a support base. But you must do something for your people, and this is an alternative that we have just presented to you tonight. Brother in Wallamoo, one of the problems we're looking at in Africa and throughout the world, but I'm saying Africa right now, and I'd like to get your response here, is that when you look at the structure and the behavior of the AU, African Union, it seems to become an institution or a tool to um, to serve the interests of the capitalists and the interests of the Europeans. Your response. Again, we have to go back and look at history. The founding of the organization of African unity was a compromise for Pan-Africanism because the objective at that stage was the creation of the Union of African States, which um, was formulated in 61, but it didn't even exist at that point because the forces of neocolonialism were stronger than the forces of Pan-Africanism and of the African Revolution. So the the OAU is a compromise. Um, And so there was no unification at at all at the founding of the OAU. so what's fundamental, what's important is that the AU is governed by the forces of reaction inside of Africa. And we can't say 100% because they're, everything is not monolith. But the dominant forces inside of the AU support neocolonialism. The dominant forces inside of the AU support capitalism. Uh, the dominant uh, side inside of the AU support Zionism and the exploitation of one African over the, over another. Uh, the dominant side of, of the AU allows AFRICOM uh, access to uh, their countries or NATO, you know, and that's what is dominant inside of, of Africa. The clearest example, I think, of how reactionary the AU represents is Libya. Because what country would allow a foreign uh, country to come and bomb and murder the head of state without response? 
In Africa, there was no response. There was no response even ideologically and politically denouncing the act of of murder inside of the African continent. There's no response even to the bombings of Somalia or any other place in, in the African continent where uh, NATO and, and AFRICOM has come in and because they deem the, uh, the, the government, the leadership of that government, not in the interest of U.S. imperialism, then they must be overthrown, as they did in Kuma. And then multiple times they attempted to kill in Kuma and to overthrow Sekou Trey and so many others, whether it be in Mozambique and uh, in Zania, Angola, et cetera. But imperialism uh, wreaks havoc on the African continent because the leadership of Africa allows it to do so. So the AU is nothing more than appendage of the policy and implementation of imperialism inside of Africa at this stage. It is nothing more than an instrument of imperialism at this stage uh, of African development. And so uh, there's no expectation for the AU really to do very much of anything that would be of benefit to the mass of our people. Uh, but at the same time, we know that, again, it is only the people who make history. And so that situation can change as our people become uh, more politically educated and organized. It can hold uh, the leadership of the AU accountable to their uh, aspirations and their desires. And Brother Walmu, one of the things that the AAPIP has inherited from the work and the life of Brother Kwame Nkrumah, uh, Secretary Nkrumah is this question of dental intelligence. We understand that historically, the role of the FBI and the CIA came in came into existence solely to force, control, and dominate all forces that do not represent their interests. And we really see the history that it has played and continues to play of destruction and death as relates to African leaders. African countries and other oppressed countries and people around the world. Your party is one of the very few organizations that has openly declared a war against the FBI and the CIA and calling them to be a, 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 a front to fight against those institutions. Why is this important and how do you create a climate where our people can and will overcome fear? Well, Eric, and it's, it's important because you have to understand history uh, and then you have to understand the role of the state inside of a, a country and the institution it creates. Um, government is, is, is the buffer between the capitalists and the people, and the military and the police, et cetera, are the instruments used to assure that the people don't have access to the capitalists. Um, but they are not, capitalism is not reactionary, meaning that it plans in advance. And so when you talk about intelligence at the federal and international level, you're only suggesting that 
capitalism wants to know. And they pay people handsomely for them to know. So who is Marcus Garvey? And why is he the first arrest of J. Edgar Hoover? Because they know. What do they know? They know he was an organizer for the mass of the people, and they know that he had the influence over one million people worldwide. He had to go. That's what the intelligence said. The Nation of Islam, under intelligence, agents inside, what they do. No criticism of the nation, just using that as an example. Um, and so some of the contradictions inside as it relates to Malcolm, et cetera, the documentation says was manipulated by the FBI because it used the strategy of divide and conquer as a method. You find that also in the Panther Party with the shootout between the US organization and the Panther Party. They say that's, that's the methodology of intelligence is how to defeat the enemy because they're very clear on who the enemy is. And so if you study COINTELPRO, uh, black nationalists. It says their their roles to stop the rise of the black messiah. Whether well, that's just uh, a metaphor for the organization of the masses, and so those persons like a Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, essentially, they had to go. They had to go, and so they were put on the hit list and assassinated. If you look at internationally, if you look at Che uh, in Bolivia, CIA. If you look at the overthrow of Nkrumah. CIA. If you look at the overthrow of Modibo Keita, don't know if it's solely CIA, but go be involved. If you look at the attempts to assassinate and, and, and to invade Guinea, CIA, Portuguese intelligence, etc. So this is what they do, whether it be in Asia, Europe, whatever. The people are paid to know who is the opposition. And if that opposition becomes effective, they must go. But they, they think that if you take the head that the people will lose, and they don't understand that the people produce what they need. So they killed Malcolm uh, February 21st, 65. Kwame Ture called for back power July of 66. And see, so the people always produce the leadership that always cadre that they need. But again, what's important is understand when you're engaged in political struggle, revolutionary struggle, you're going to be identified. You're going to be investigated. You're going to have those kinds of issues. It comes with the territory. But if you look at history, again, if you go to the slave plantations, our people organize after dark, after working hours, but they organize under the threat of death. Because if there was any inkling that they were organizing against the insurrection, they was going to be killed. That's how we got to where we're at today. And so we just accept the fact that by serving our people, by doing life the right way, fighting for in, against injustice, by fighting for the emancipation of humanity, that there are people whose values are di- diametrically opposed to that because their objective is to exploit. We're just at war. And to win this war, we have to win that battle. And we're going to win it the same way we won, it, we won in Angola, the same way we won it in Guinea-Bissau, the same way we won it in Ghana. The same way. But then they came back. 
But we have learned in history. That is one of the things we've inherited because we studied the overthrow of Nkrumah. We studied how the liberation movements in, in Africa were impacted by the enemy, by the, F, by the CIA, FBI, et cetera. We've seen them operate in, in, in the Caribbean and South Central America. We've seen them operate and function around Kwame Ture, who was close to us. So we were able to see uh, and, and study some of the um, methods they used. And we have some of that documentation from the FBI files of how they uh, surveilled Kwame Ture, et cetera. So we know that. But our responsibility, as Nkrumah said, is to, the secret to life is to have no fear. And really what he means is that you're going to have it because it's an emotion, but you do not allow fear to control you. You control it. And you do what is right. And what is right for us is to fight for the mass of our people, to leave a, leave a legacy that we at no time in our lives ever compromised that particular principle, which is to always serve and fight for the mass of the people. And we will fight the FBI. We will fight... We'll fight any institution of capitalism that is responsible for the repression of our people, whether it be in the United States, Africa, Europe, et cetera. That is our view. And Wally Moore, one of the important lessons we can learn from our history and our forefathers, like Nkrumah, Secretary Nkrumah, as they analyze the world, they realize there are different types of zones that countries may function under that would dictate certain strategies and tactics and how resources should or should not be used. Now, one of the most important zones is the liberated zone. And when we talk about liberated zone, we talk about a zone where a nation is functioning in the atmosphere where they are free to totally dictate and decide how they will use a resource and label. They are in control and not the enemy. Given the fact I have stated that, one of the countries that Brother Kwame Ture, Secretary, and as well as Nkuma, held real proudly was the country of Cuba. Just talk a little bit about why Cuba is being viewed as a friend to African African people and will hold it in such high esteem and why African people must come forward to have fight to put an end against the blockade against Cuba and all other countries as well who are suffering under the blockade. But talk about the importance of Cuba as a liberated territory. I think for GC, and I think what we've learned, A, is that when we talk about a a liberated territory, it is a territory that is practicing the principles of socialism, that there are no liberated territories outside of socialist states. And when we talk about socialist states, we're talking about a country such as Cuba, where there are, there's no multinational co- corporations that are operating in that country exploiting their people's labor. That what the people produce inside the country, A, is planned. It's planned to meet their needs. And then B, the wealth of what is produced out of their labor is used for the benefit of the society as a whole. And with that, uh, Cuba is respected because A, you know, Cuba is a participant, in my vantage point, I'd say our vantage point of the African Revolution to the extent that 
Cuba is an African island. Population, predominant population of Cuba is of African people. And so to that extent, uh, the Cuban Revolution has had a material and ideological impact on Africa and African people throughout the world. One of the first acts that Cuba did when, when the revolution came to power was to send troops to Algeria to fight against the French. It's one of the things that the first thing they did. It has been solidarity with revolutionary African uh, leadership in Africa and throughout the Caribbean since its existence as the, uh, as the uh, revolutionary Cuba. Uh, it, is, it has shown the capacity 90 miles outside of the uh, the, the imperialist United States, which used to control it, that it had the audacity to to be able to organize the people and defend itself against the aggression of U.S. imperialism, which it has done its uh, its its creation as a revolutionary Cuba. And so, Cuba, similar to Vietnam, small country. But the revolutionary fervor of the masses is something that should be emulated worldwide. The dedication and commitment to the question of socialism and peace should be emulated worldwide. The solidarity that Cuba extends to the world, not just military solidarity, but particularly in its medicine and and, and the, the sending of doctors throughout the world to, to assist those who have none should be emulated. And those are types of examples. Uh, and I can't, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Angola and the sending of troops to Angola to fight South Africa. In the Battle of Cueto Quanavao, where South Africa was crushed by Angolan and Cuban forces. And, and, and so Africa has played a I mean, uh, Cuba has played a, 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 a very critical role in many of the revolutionary struggles inside of, of, uh, inside of Africa and in other parts of the world and has spoken out in support of revolutionary and progressive governments and, and parties throughout the world. So that's why Cuba's respected, because it has the principles of socialism that guide the country. And the principles of socialism brings Cuba at, at peace and at ease and in, in principled solidarity with other forces of the world, even countries that are not necessarily socialist, but you have to respect that they treat all human beings with respect and dignity. And so they also have relationship with forces that are not necessarily progressive, but that is how they they relate, interact in, in terms of diplomacy and whatnot. And then if you look like at Venezuela and the role of Cuba is playing to be in solidarity with the with our people in, in, in Venezuela, you know, those are the things that the consistency that Cuba has shown uh, over the years that they are principled and they are committed to uh, the peace, dignity, and justice for all human beings is what one uh, admiration and support of the Cuban Revolution. Eric, can you speak just a little bit to the country or a country in this case who's under the control of the enemy, but why we must intensify our alpha, alpha realm supporting our brother and sister in Haiti? 
America, Haiti has been a very important country historically to African people develop, development in the Western Hemisphere and the world. Well, again, Haiti is neocolonial, so it, it's one of a multitude of them. Uh, I think that historically, though, Haiti bleeds because uh, Haiti set an example for Africa and African peoples with the Haitian Revolution, uh, where it defeated uh, British, French, and fearless on the battlefield. And uh, from what I've read is that the United States government had to sign a treaty that it would not invade the United States. That's the power of the Haitian Revolution. But the Haitian people, our people in Haiti, have, have paid a severe price and are paying a severe price to this day, et cetera, who are raping. Uh, you know, the United Nations troops inside of, uh, inside of Haiti are raping our people, uh, tremendous suffering. Uh, and so like other uh, countries that um, in the Western Hemisphere that have an African population, Colombia is another, you know, that uh, we have to be, the word solidarity is incorrect because uh, we are the same people. But we have to uh, connect with our brothers and sisters in Haiti and any other part of the world where we can be consciously and actively and materially supporting uh, the, on the ground the forces of progress and the forces that are bring, trying to bring peace and justice to our people. But I think I also would like to say, though, that's what also important is that there are countries, and, and here I'm speaking of Guinea in particular, uh, that uh, under Sacred Terrain was uh, the the home of Pan-Africanism following, following the uh, overthrow of Nkrumah in, in Ghana and whatnot. But we know with the death of Sacred Terrain, it went in a different direction with the military coups and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, we also know that uh, the work that the PDG has done uh, under Sacred Terrain, the Master of Education, uh, and uh, in if you look at Stokely Speaks, and he says it clearly, that you also always have to look at liberated territories that have fallen back on neocolonialism because that work has been done there. And so Guinea becomes an important uh, country on the continent of Africa because of the work of, of the PDG and the years that they were in power and uh, with Secretary, that uh, Pan-Africanism, once again, must grow and be at home there uh, for the entire African continent. And uh, that is the, 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 the place where uh, the APRPGC uh, finds its origin, so to speak, and that's where GC comes from, from Guinea County Creek. Right, so that's what I have there. And at this point in time, we're going to take a rubber step break, and when we come back, Dr. Wallenberg, we have some important for today's program. This is Africa. On the move. Passport Rev. Malcolm on Twitter featuring Napoleon the Legend. Rock the Bell Radio. Theorists. What if mine had Twitter and all that civil rights talk, man, I wouldn't want to hear it. This integration been disintegrating. Better off in our own ghettos with our own situation. His last speech got him assassinated. Black business was booming. It wasn't just a consumer. 
Controlling our narrative, we have more marriages And see what the damage did, they ain't that bad a bitch And welfare did its way worse than the slavery I'll never be an agent, I don't care what they pay me Seem like Nip had the same old story If we pay a black hater, tell a different allegory Like Pearl Harbor and 9-11 was a mystery Supremacy will go the extent to keep their history alive All I'm saying, if these leaders was alive Who be on the internet trying to divide? And use a hotel hustler Trying to fear people of that low vibe structure Agree to disagree and we ain't gotta tear our own down Argue or silence or forever be our own downfall All I wanna say is that we're giving it away Soul ain't for sale and the devil is a fake Argue with the silence but don't let it seal our fate Fight behind doors but don't ever show our face Cause if mom had Twitter Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling Spill ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Cause if mom had Twitter and Malcolm had Twitter It'd be our own people do the trolling Spewing ignorance and do the scolding Where we going? Sometimes the key to life you looking for be right in front of you Tried to show my man hidden colors, he said nothing new I said, what if we been lied to, most of our freaking lives Henry, you're coming tonight, and you ain't speaking right Your arrogance precedes you What if your faith did? I spoke to God on Wednesday, he said most of it's basic Million dollar mindset to be flying, stay hungry Hieroglyphic writing on walls you couldn't take from me A man lay dead in the street today I must have on my head And landed in 1940 or something, I swear And all I have is love and joy to give I need to spread my wings I need to fly away I want to get high today who got five on my little bundle of temporary Man, I wanna live long enough to be legendary Your statistics said by now that I'm gonna be dead and buried But when I heard your voice, it seems as if we met already And I march for our rights, that civil, the same purpose Two different tribes and we fighting the same person Could it be that our eyes was deceiving us? We had to have faith when nobody believed in us Cosmic companionship sustained me after my husband was assassinated and gave me the strength to make my contribution to carrying forward his unfinished work. A man lay dead in the street today. I must have on my head. And landed in 1940 or something, I swear. And all I have is love and joy to give. I need to spread my wings. I need to fly away. Con las manos arriba, que viva la cultura con las manos arriba. El deporte con 
profecías en Venezuela. No solo es un ritmo, escucha las letras. Tan criollo como que te vean y te digan, eh, para que te choquen las manos. Al final del día, dale, hablamos. Y lo que más me alegra, la gente latina siempre será gente negra. Comandante, te amo. Que Dios te bendiga. ¿Dónde está Maranta? El Amaranta y el Pinky, ¿dónde están? ¿No? La cantera. to walk you back to Africa on the Moon. Africa on the Moon is a community project under the banner of the African Awareness Association. You can listen to this radio program every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, U.S. You can call in at 323-679-0841 or go online and listen to this program by going to Blog Talk Radio and type in Africa on the Moon. Again, you can hear us weekly every Sunday night from 7 p.m. Also, we'd like to just inform you that we are encouraging the African on the Moon family, along with and working with African Wellness Association. They will be taking their annual free ride tour to Cuba. They'll be having a black educational Travel Challenge Tour taking place this year from July the 23rd to the 31st. You will be um, in a very unique situation because you will get a chance to travel throughout Cuba to three cities, from Guantanamo to Santiago to Havana. They all will be in Cancun, Canada. So we are asking all Africans of goodwill and good people of goodwill to come and join us as we go and show our support and solidarity Cuban Revolution. We must do all that we can to help put an end to the blockade. And But more importantly, we must find the, out the truth for ourselves. Come and check out and see Cuba. Don't let nobody tell you any false rumors about Cuba. Come and see for yourself. So come and join us. And you can do that by calling us at 804-549-7492 or 202 714-9435 or email African Awareness Association at African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. That's African Awareness Association 2 at gmail.com. Come and join this feed ride this summer. And last but not least, we would like to just remind you that this is African Liberation Month. The AAPR PGC has activities planned throughout this month. You can check their website by going to www.a-aprp.gc.org to find out more information of their upcoming activities. So those are just a few of our announcements. I'm Brother Africa. Like always, we thank you for allowing us this opportunity to come to your home. 
where we can speak truth to the powerless and the powerful. Brother Walimu, we have five minutes. We want to take this time to allow you the opportunity to share with our listening audience how can they help and support and build the AAPIPGC and build the Institution of African Liberation Day, Palestine Day. The mic is yours. There's definitely different levels of participation in revolutionary struggle. The highest level of participation is as a member of the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, um, because what we do is ideologically train you, meaning that you learn the ideology of the party, the ideology of Nkrumah's and terrorism, and then uh, the practice of, of revolutionary struggle. Uh, Nkrumah teaches us that uh, practice without uh, theory is empty, and uh, theory without practice is blind. And so uh, when you're inside revolutionary organization, you have to do both. Uh, and we've been doing that for most of our lives uh, to the best of our ability, theory and, uh, and practice. Uh, at the same time, many uh, persons do not want that level of responsibility. Uh, and so, you know, through our website, you know, our email uh, address is readily available and can always let us know what you are available to do. Um, there's there's no task in revolutionary struggle that is not important. And uh, there's no person in revolutionary struggle that is not important. All must participate. Uh, we would argue that there's no sidelines in life. You know, there is no sideline. You are an active participant, whether you like it or not. And so we just want to be consciously participate in the organization of, of, of life, you know, so definitely support is is, is, is necessary needed. Um, either one, uh, when you talk about African Liberation Day, what skills do you bring to your people's struggle? And there's no skill that is not necessary, that's not, not needed. So uh, you can let us know what you think you can do to help your people and help GC help our people. And we are re- we're definitely ready for you and for that. Uh, we definitely are believers and know for a fact that it's the masses of the people that are the makers of history. And so our task is to is to have the masses involved at whatever level that they can. So reach out to us through our website. Uh, as as uh, Brother Africa shared, uh, our website address, www.a-aprp-gc.org. And, uh, and, and let's, let's, let's move forward. Let's make this happen. Uh, our people will be free. Our people must be free. And the only issue is, is what role will you and myself play in the, in the process to make that happen? And uh, to together we can figure that out. Right? So we thank you very much. We thank uh, our program host, host for the opportunity to share this time with, with you all. Uh, we thank all who have taken the time to listen this is a lengthy discussion or a lengthy lecture, however you see it. But uh, we appreciate all of you all who are here. Uh, we are very serious about the things that we say. And one thing we do say uh, today is in closing, we've, we've earned the right to say them because we've chosen not to compromise the line. We were brought into this uh, revolutionary process 
in the name of uh, Nkrumah and Ture and Kwame and other revolutionary forces in Africa. Uh, we were brought into this revolution, revolutionary process, the understanding that you had to be a part of organization. We have not compromised. And uh, we, will, we will carry this to the end, trying to build a revolutionary party that reflects the needs and aspirations of the masses of our people worldwide under the banner of Pan-Africanism, the total liberation, unification of Africa and the scientific socialism. We thank and brother, and brother Mwalimu, I know your party has a special message that you'd like to say to all the mothers of the masses as it relates to wishing them happy Mother Day coming up tomorrow. And that is, that is so true. Uh, and again, we we highlight and we are emphatic about the struggle to emancipate our our sisters, uh, and we give all praise and respect to the mothers of the masses, as it is said, because uh, the women are the backbone or the, the mainstay, so to speak, of the African Revolution and not, do not get the credit that they have earned in history for their contributions and role in the African Revolution. So we thank them, particularly our mothers. And to our listening audience, audience we'd like to thank you for allowing us to come to your home this evening, as we say all the time. To speak truth to the powerless and the powerful. We owe our gratitude to the all African peoples, Revolutionary Party GC, for allowing us the opportunity to interview Brother Iwalamu Kito and for them to share their knowledge, their experience, their history on the truth about African Liberation Day as an institution and the struggle. We hope to continue to be here to play this role because we know that. Without information, people cannot think. And we also know that without organization, people cannot think clearly because we, too, want to encourage you to join an organization that is fighting for the liberation of your people. We are presenting tonight an excellent organization for you to check out. That is the AAPRPGC. So until tomorrow, we will be doing the show at 7 p.m., and the show will be on environmental racism. Please come and join us. Until next time, like always, from Brother Africa and Africa on the Moon, let's continue to strive to go forward, Apple, backwards, never, and remember, we are not yet free. You who?
my king, is my one, yes, he's my father, yes, he's my son, I can talk to him, cause he understands everything I go through, and everything I am, he's my support system, I can't live without him, the best thing since life's breath, is his kiss, his hug, his lips, his touch, and I just want the whole world to know about my bad brother. I love you, and I'll never try to hurt you. I want you to know that I'm here for you forever, true, because you're my bad brother, strong brother, and there is no one above you. I want you Sangana 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.